Acts chapter 9, we're going to begin in verse 17, but we need to backtrack just a little bit, so we want you to see what the Lord, word of the Lord says, because if you haven't been with us, you've missed a whole lot. You need to go back and start in Acts chapter 1, that's where we began this journey. We find ourselves here now in Acts chapter 9, and, and if you came in today, we gave you sermon notes. If you'd like to have a copy of the sermon notes, you can slip your hand up and one of the ushers will bring you a copy, but why do we give sermon notes? Because it's hard for a pastor to preach with notes, just so you know. It's the worst thing on the planet to preach with notes for me. I like to preach and spit and walk side to side and talk about what the Lord says because of what the Lord's shown me. But when you preach on notes, obviously you can take those notes and actually use the Word of God as a tool to teach and edify someone this week in the name of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you, each Sunday, even though I know most of you know everything, right? I can see the ones not writing. You're like, I know that. I know that. You might hear one thing that the Lord says today that you can actually grow from. So let me encourage you, write it down. Adrian Rogers said this, the weakest ink is better than the strongest mind. You know why? Because the older we get, the more we what? Forget. That's exactly right. So let me encourage you. Acts chapter 9, beginning of verse 17. We'll pick up what the word of the Lord says. Let's read together, beginning of 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road that you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ, or Jesus, your Bible might say, in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose, that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days, make a note in your many days, by the way, that many days confounded me because I like to kind of track through because if you ever read the book of Mark, Mark says this happened and this happened and then this happened. And I call Mark the ADHD disciple because he just writes down everything that was happening. He just tells you stories and Mark would jump two months and say, and this happened. Next verse, two more months. Next verse, you might be a year later. And, and when you read it, you go, I don't quite understand how all this happened in this as we read it, we read it as a condensed story because this is a historical narrative, but I'm going to talk to you about those many days here in just a moment. Those many days were close to 900 days. I'll show you this in just a moment. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him. And how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out. And he spoke, what's the word in your Bible? Boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed with the Hellenists. But they attempted, or the Greeks your Bible might say. But they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord 
and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Every time that you're edified, you're going to be multiplied. Did you know that? We're going to talk about what that means today. Why don't you look at today, today's sermon is this, synagogue showdown. Now, a synagogue was a place. I never knew what a synagogue was growing up, and I'd hear preachers preach about a synagogue, and in my mind's eye, I thought temple. But there was only one temple, and where was the temple? In Jerusalem. And the temple was ransacked and destroyed when? The last one. A.D. 70. We teach that in our school. If you come to our school, we'll teach you that, right? A.D. 70, the, the temple was destroyed. So how does a Jewish man, woman today, how do they worship today? The answer is, they can't. Because where's the only place you can make a sacrifice? It's forbidden by the law of God to sacrifice anywhere else except for the temple. Where can a Jewish man or woman be atoned for for their sins today in their religion? The answer is, they can't. So your Jewish brothers and sisters, listen, they're still trying to say, now the rabbis are saying, hey, you can come back and you can pray some prayers, you can do some good deeds, and that, that's in the place until the temple's rebuilt. That's not what the scripture says. God was very explicit. Why do you think God gave no other way for a Jewish man or woman to worship except for the temple? Did God prophesy that the temple, did Jesus prophesy that the temple would be torn down? Yes, but he said it would be built back, back up. When? After three days. Who was the temple of God? Who was he referring to? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it says, listen, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For, listen, it is the power of God unto salvation first for the Jew and then for the rest of us, right? The Gentiles, the Greeks, the Gentiles. That's Romans 1.16. Paul was very clear. Listen, there's a, there's a method to God's, what we would deem as a madness, but it's not a madness. It's a gladness. God has a plan. So what was Saul's plan? Go back to actually, go back to chapter 9, verse 1. And let me read that just so you'll know, have a little bit of background so you'll understand what Saul's plan was in this whole showdown. Now remember, there's a temple dedicated to Jupiter in Damascus. The Romans, this is a Roman capital city, if you will. Not the capital, but it's the capital city where all of these people come through. It's, it's actually a transit hub, if you will. It's a hub city where you come into one place and you would actually be on a journey to somewhere else. You'd go to the coast or you'd go towards the, the desert regions. It was a place, it was kind of a hub central, if you would. It was a connecting city. That's why Saul wanted to go to the connecting city because he knew if these people called Christians would actually get a hold of this city, they would turn the world upside down in that city and everybody that heard it that came through, what would happen to those people? They would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they would take it to their town. And not only that, where would they take it? They would take it back home. How about you and me? What's our job? The Great Commission is as you're going, Matthew chapter 28. Is that true? As you go, make disciples of all nations, right? And who's, whose disciples are they? Jesus is talking about himself. Go, to, go make disciples of all the nations, and you're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're to teach them everything that, listen, the Word of God has been taught, right? The disciples wrote it down. Men were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. They wrote it down. This is what we're to be teaching. And how many days in our church today as a pastor, I just, I'm not equipped. I don't feel like I could, I don't feel like I could equip to lead a Bible study. I just, I'm just afraid to share my testimony. We make excuse after excuse for not telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that true? Saul, there's people like Saul out there that want to tear you down. I want you to see this showdown. He goes in verse, chapter 9, verse 1. What does he do? Then Saul, still breathing threats, and what, what's the other word in your Bible? 
murder, what was in his heart for these Christians or people of the way? He wanted to kill them. Why is it that every time that someone professes Christ around the world, any other religion, they will knock each other once in a while, but every time there's a Christian involvement, what's happening in China? They're pulling down the crosses off the, uh, the churches that aren't declared as, as state churches. What's happening in the Congo? What's happening? You name it, go pick a place around the world where Christians live, and there's persecution of the Christian. Uh, they can be side by side doing good things, building hospitals. There's persecution of the Christian. Saul come to this place, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest. He went to the highest authority that was known to them, the religious high authority. Verse 2, and he asked letters from them. Listen, where's he going to go? To the synagogues of Damascus. He had a plan. He wanted to go to the synagogues. Again, I told you, I didn't know what a synagogue was. And I didn't tell you what one was. A synagogue was simply a meeting place. It was a building where they would gather together to offer prayers and to read the Holy Scriptures. It was a meeting place, simply a meeting place. It was a place they would build and, and they would meet there as a family. And multiple families would come and join. So Paul wanted to go to every meeting place in Damascus that had people of the way that were Jewish converts. And what did he want to do? He wanted to arrest them. And he also was happy if they were what? If they were killed. He had a plan to... to Wipe them out because he didn't want this word spreading. He wanted to get to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And then we know the Damascus story. He got on that journey. He was taken off to Damascus. He was proud. Listen, this man, it was a, he, he, back, he tells you his story. If you go back and read the rest of the scripture, he'll tell you his story. He said, from the tribe of Benjamin. He'll go back to the all back in the day, back in around the way my family is. And he would tell you who his family was. He would tell you about his education. He would tell you about who he studied under. He would tell you about everything, his religious zeal. He would tell you everything about himself. And then he would say this, but all that stuff I count as rubbish. I put behind me because of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul comes to this place. Saul comes to this place. I want you to see now he comes to the place. He's been blinded by the Shekinah glory of God. God, Jesus Christ has knocked him down on the road to Damascus. He has been, listen, knocked down. He's been helped up. And he's been told to go to Damascus and you will be told what you will do. By the way, I want to make sure that you understand this today. God will tell you what he wants you to do. When you start telling God what you want him to do and what you want you to do for him, you're out of the ballpark. You're not even playing the game of God, if you will. You do it God's way, church, what do we get? What do we get? God's results 100% of the time. If we do it God's way, we get God's results. God's way never, ever makes sense. If God tells you something, do something, and you say, well, listen, that's impossible. You're right. Amen. Amen means this, by the way. Yes, yes, I agree. So when somebody says amen, they're like, whatever you just said, I agree with. So every time someone reads scripture, you can say amen because it's true. If I tell you about changing my tire, don't say amen because you don't know if I changed my tire or not. Don't say amen to that either, right? You don't know. I want you to get in the Word of God. Look what he does right here. This is amazing what Saul transitions to. He wanted to take those letters. And by the way, he had some letters, right? He came rolling in. When he's rolling into Damascus, what's he got? He's got his letters, right? He's got his paperwork. It's my paperwork from the high priest. He says, I will arrest anybody who is of the way. Not arresting any Romans, because he was a Roman citizen also, by the way. He had some status. This man was rolling in. He was, he was rolling in hot with all of his credentials. Running to a Roman soldier, I'm a Roman too. You can't, you can't arrest me. A Jew, I'm a Jew also. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Educated, I am as well. PhD, Gamaliel. 
He got done list and show his credentials. But he rolled into town with his paperwork, and his paperwork was what? Information to arrest anybody who had converted to the way. He passed a whole bunch of pagans on the way. Didn't want to tell any of them about Jesus. Does that sound like the church today? Everybody want to do it our way, my way, or the highway? Well, let me encourage you, when you get on the highway, you might run into the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's review. Look at your notes. Saul traveled to Damascus synagogues to destroy the people of the way. He had high priest authority. He had his paperwork, right? I'm going to show you my paperwork. Number two, what you see is Saul had a spiritual encounter with Jesus on the road leading to Damascus. And brothers and sisters, that's the only way you're going to have a changed life. You can sit in church every single day. You can sit in church every single Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Pick a day. You can sit in church and it will not make you a Christian. Now, you might be led to Christ because you'll hear the gospel preached, or you'll hear it sung in a song, or you'll hear it prayed in a prayer. But we've said it before. You can go stand in your garage and go vroom, vroom, vroom. It doesn't make you a car. Is that true? So when you come to the Lord's house, listen, you come and sit soaking sour, and you leave out, and you don't take it and apply it to the Word of God to your heart, you'll just walk out just another person who wasted a Sunday morning. You could have been fishing today, or you could have been washing your car, cutting your grass. But if you come here to receive something from the Lord, guess what you're going to do? You're going to leave with something from the Word of the Lord. It might be nothing I'm preaching today. It might be God saying, turn your Bible to and go follow this thread, and you actually learn something from the Word of God. But so many people, listen, and we just lost another one. I'm going to say this, and it breaks my heart to say this before you as my church, and I know people are watching, and I know the family's probably watching. We have lost two of our former students to pornography. To pornography. These are students who were in our youth group, and one just got arrested this week, and is going to spend the rest of his life in prison. And how many times have you heard me as pastor say, I hate those smartphones, I hate those devices that you're letting your children, you're giving Satan the tools, saying, listen, I'll pay, I'll pay $80 a month for Satan to destroy my child. And you continue to do it over and over again. Why would you wait for your child to be the next child? Two of our students given over to pornography because they were actually had access to it. And, and I warned, I can remember talking to both those students, saying, listen, man, get off that mess. Get off that mess. Listen, I know you're listening to music, Christian music, but just like when you come into church today, you can roll up on your phone and you can pull up a Bible app and you can flip right over to Facebook or some other social media and check out. God's trying to speak to us and we're clouded today for all the things that's junked up in our life. We think it's good enough just to show up. And by the way, I want to tell you, it's not good enough just to show up. You must commit yourself to the work that's called the church, God's called the church to do. And we'll see that work in just a moment. Saul had a spiritual encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Have you had a spiritual encounter with Christ? If you've had a spiritual encounter, he would change your life. When you hear these hard things, sometimes we say, you'll say amen to him, Lord, change me. i got to change that. I need to fix that. He does that with me every time I prepare to preach. Every time we actually look into the word of God, he has to change me. And then hopefully he changes you because I know he will if you'll listen. Verses 7 through 9 tells us clearly Paul was blinded by the brightness of the light, the Shekinah glory, if you will, which appeared all around him. And he had to be led by his men to Judas's home on Straight Street. You ever heard somebody getting straight? This is the Lord getting straight. I think it's a little sarcasm, a little, a little fun here with the Lord's work. He knew that straight was called straight back in the day before they named it. Is that true? His plan was for... Saul to get straight on straight street in Judas's house. Let's get straight with God today. Listen, he'll straighten you out because where is Saul headed to? What was his destination? The synagogues. 
in Damascus. I'm going to Damascus, and I'm going to every place that they're grouping and meeting, and I'm going to arrest them, or I'm going to kill them if, I, if they resist, and I'm going to bring them back to Jerusalem and put them on trial. Every single place. And by the way, you know what's funny? Where did he end up? In the synagogues, in the very place that he was going, but he had a different message when he arrived, didn't he? Because he had an encounter, he had a spiritual encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time that a man, woman, boy, or girl has a spiritual encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, he will change your life. You'll be different than the person you used to be. I call it the Clint Smith BC, before Christ, and now the me today. Do I sin? Absolutely. You've been around me, you'll know that to be true. But I'm forgiven, and I want to see people come into the kingdom of heaven because, Why? Just because of my selfishness? No, it's because of he saved me. I know what it's like to have a changed life, and I want people to experience that very changed life himself. He had received a vision from a man named Ananias coming to pray for him. Verse 10 through 17 is very important for me and for y'all. I hope you read this. Ananias did come. He prayed, and Saul regained his sight. Now, he didn't just see physically what happened now. He's seeing what? Spiritually. God is speaking to him. For three days, he's fasted. He's laid there wondering, what is this all about? You ever been there? God, why are you letting me go through this? God, what is going on? Your little synagogue, your little meeting place inside of you might have come to the place that you run up against the hard rocks, right? The rock in a hard place between the Holy Spirit pushing you into him, saying, listen, change. Today is the day of salvation. Change. You, you, if you're going to change, you're going to lay on this hospital bed looking up at me. You're going to lay at home looking up at me. I'm going to call something in your life. I want you to do my mission. Therefore, I will mold you. You ever, you ever prayed this prayer? Lord, mold me and make me after thy will. We used to sing it, didn't we? Have thine own way, Lord. You ever sing it? Sing it with me. Have thine own way. <clears throat> What's the next verse? Thou art the potter, and I am the what? I am the clay. What happens is when God molds us, we get this from the word of God. When God molds us, what does he want us to do? He wants us to be the vessel that he has formed us to be. And what happens if we don't become the vessel that he wants us to be? He's going to put you back on the wheel. You ever mess with a pottery? Trying to make something nice, and you get to a certain level, and then you stick your thumb in it, and it messes it all up. you got to start over. You squish it back down, start over. What happens, though, probably, this is the hard part, what happens once the, the, the clay starts to get a little bit dry? What happens? It's a little brittle. And if it's cracked when it's wet, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be useless. Up until the point that the potter can actually seal it and fix it. Why would we always have to wait until we get cracked or broken by God before we actually change and know and follow his ways? We teach our children, don't we? We teach our children, listen, Jesus loves me, what? Because what? But why is it when we get to be teenagers, we don't know where to tell me what to do. And then we get to be college students, like, listen to these professors who are wingnuts who tell us there is no God. And by the way, if somebody ever tells you there is no God, the Bible calls them a fool. Did y'all know that? And then ask the question, have you been to the furthest spot in outer space? Has anyone been to Mars today that we know of? Yes or no? Maybe God's home's on Mars. It's for someone to stand up to you and say, there is no God, just ask them, have you been to Mars? Well, no, no one has. Well, then shut your mouth. You don't know where God, God might be there. Right? Is that true? Has anyone been to the very bottom of the ocean? The very bottom of the ocean. Now, we know we got some typhoon subs and some other subs that want to go out and sit down there. But no one's been to the very pit. Has anyone been, listen, even in rainforests and other places, has anyone been to every spot in those places? The answer is 
What if God's there? Then when someone actually says, there is no God, do you hear how foolish that sounds even to somebody who's a thinking person, let alone to God? God calls that man or woman a foolish person. And the Bible even says he laughs at that person. Let's look and see. What does Saul do? Saul was healed and immediately got up and was baptized. Now, the church of Christ teaches that you must be saved, baptized immediately. That's not what this is teaching. This is teaching, obviously, he was obedient to the place. Because Ananias comes up, and Saul tells us what Ananias says. If you go back and read, and I gave you some scripture for you to look up at home. We don't have time to look at it today down in the last part. Acts chapter uh, 22 and Acts chapter 26, Paul tells his story again. He tells his testimony of what happened. He says, hey, there was this man named Ananias, and he tells me, get up and be baptized. So Ananias was bold in his faith. When he found out that Jesus had his back, guess what he did? He went into the man who was supposed to murder him and told him about the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew God had changed his life, and he even calls the man who was his enemy brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus Christ has told me to pray for you. Saul tells the story, like I say, verse 22, I mean Acts chapter 22 and Acts chapter 26. He tells the story. Why don't you look at the last review? Saul left Jerusalem to attest to arrest all the Damascus synagogue, people in the Damascus synagogues, who preached Jesus as the Son of God. As it would have it, Saul is saved and begins to immediately preach. Look at verse 18. We looked at this in, in Bible study this morning in Sunday school. What's the first word in your Bible? Acts chapter 9, verse 18. What's the first word in your translation? Now I have the New King James translation, so it's a little bit different. What's yours? Immediately. All right, I want you to go over and look at another verse. I want you to go back and look at verse 20. What's the next word? Immediately. Do you think God has a plan in his book for us how we should live? When we actually hear the gospel preached, what should we do? We should respond how? Immediately. And when we actually give our hard life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we should seek baptism when? Immediately, as soon as possible. That's why, listen, how much water have we poured into this tub and other places around the world? How much water? It takes much water to be baptized. Is that true? Why? Because it's a picture of the grave. It's a picture of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, his burial into the tomb, and his resurrection three days later. We walk around as resurrected people. Those of us that have been baptized, we should, we, listen, when, you, when were you baptized? When were you baptized? Well, I was baptized back in whatever day, sometime when I was a certain age, or it happened at this season. But I was baptized because I wanted to show everybody in the church and anyone who knows me, hey, follow me as I follow Christ because... I have believed and I have been baptized. I have followed Christ as he commanded in the Great Commission. Well, let me show you this, like Saul. Like Saul, to be a faithful follower of Jesus, we must come to the realization that our whole life must be surrendered to him. He does not want part of your life. He wants all of your life. And if you're a self-made man or self-made woman, listen, you're in the deepest, darkest trouble uh, if you haven't come to Christ. Because you'll resist at every moment because you'll think, well, if I can do this, or if I just manipulate this, I've done this, I've succeeded in here, I've had those failures, I've already been there, done that, have multiple drawers full of t-shirts, right? Young people, listen, don't let the pride of life get you. God tries to speak very clearly. We must come to him as a child. We must come to the place that we realize that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no other salvation except in Christ and Christ alone. So like Saul, to be a faithful follower of Jesus we must come to the realization that our whole life, he don't want 99% of your life. He don't want half of your life. He wants 100% of your life. How can a young person, how can a child give his life to Christ? You're just children. You're just little kids. How can you do anything for Christ? 
How old was Daniel? He was a young man, was he not? If you go back and look at the men of God, listen, you go back and look, when did God call certain people? When was Jesus in the, in the temple teaching, or listening at least? He was listening and they were amazed. He was 12. Anybody 12 years old and above, raise your hand if you're over 12. Was a baby ever used in Scripture? Of course. We know the Lord Jesus Christ, old little town of house of bread, right? That's what Bethlehem means. We, we know, how about the story of David when he was actually in that, I'll say with the kids in here, the wrong relationship with that woman, right? Did God use that baby as a testimony for him and even for us today? Out of his sinfulness, God brings about redemption. And lo and behold, we today have a theology based on that sin situation. Where do babies go when they die? We've lost, we lost our first baby to miscarriage. Where does the baby go when it dies? And I preach one Sunday, listen, we don't have evidence that says a baby dies and goes to heaven. It does not say that in the Bible. But what we do have is when King David was convicted of his wrong sins, he didn't shave. The baby was sick, the Bible says. The baby was, was, was not re, uh, getting better. He didn't shave. He didn't bathe. He laid around. He moped and complained. But as soon as they brought news to him, said, oh, goodness, we've got to go tell him. As soon as the baby passed away, the Bible says he jumped up, he cleaned himself, and he rejoiced. And they're like, he's lost his mind. Well, sometimes Christians sound like we've lost our mind when we start rejoicing in the Lord, don't we? We start praising him and singing to him. It sounds like we're crazy. We're singing to an invisible God. Have you ever seen Jesus Christ? Don't raise your hand because if you have, we probably need to talk after church. Because he, he will not change it for you. He's going to reveal himself through his holy word. He's going to reveal himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've seen Jesus, listen, we need to have a conversation. Because he's revealing himself how. Because you ever have people like, Lord, just show me yourself and, I, and that'll be enough. Didn't that know what Philip said in John 14? And Jesus was right there in front of him. Just show us the Father and that'll be enough. Listen, today, how's he going to show him yourself? He might show you something in your encounters with him. It might be, a, a listen, an accident, an injury, a car wreck or something that you're going to actually be flat on your back and looking up going, God, please, if there's a way out of this, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Don't make it that way. Be like a little child and come to Christ by faith, trusting his word, what his word says, because the Holy Spirit's telling you this is true. The Holy Spirit tells you as a human, listen, yes, yes, this is true. Amen, amen, and amen. And his word backs up. The Holy Spirit says, this is true. You must be born again. Jesus himself said in John 3, 3. Like Saul, I mentioned this, we should be baptized immediately following our salvation experience. Baptism does not save us, but it demonstrates to all that we are followers of the way. We're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, like Saul, we must be prepared to give an answer for our faith. We must know the Holy Scriptures. We must prepare ourselves to engage the culture. Have y'all, and I've turned the television off, haven't watched the news in probably a week and a half. I have no idea what's been happening. Well, I do have an idea what's been happening, obviously, right? Because people are talking about it. And they're talking about, and it's, listen, it's not the world trying to pit the world against each other. What happens? We as Christians, if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in it. You'll know more about what Fox News says than you do about what the Holy Spirit says. Is that true? You'll know more about what CNN says about a situation than what the Holy Spirit says about a situation. Get your head out of that television, that duh, into the Word of God. Be edified to the point that you're equipped and says, listen, I can do that. 
If Saul was murdering, he was a murdering, listen, he was there at Stephen's death. We read, we read that. He was there. He was absolutely saying, yeah, kill him. He's one of those no good people of the way. We know what the word of God says, but yet what happens? Today we talked about holy boldness and how to share the scriptures. We packed up today and said, listen, we're going to go knock on at least five doors, just cold call. Knock. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Do you know what I mean? And I said, we'll be back here at one o'clock. Y'all go grab something quick to eat. Oh, look at, oh, I got called into work. I got, um, I got I to do something. I got to, I'm just nervous. And what happens is we won't do it. Will would complain about the rioting and all the crazy going on in our world, right? Do you know why it's happening that way? Because we as the people of God have not stood up, stood in the gap for our people. We've not stand in place. Listen, how many fatherless young men and women are running around the streets right now? Father's Day means nothing to them. I don't know my dad. I don't like my dad. My dad's divorced. My dad's far from me. All those fill in the blanks. And some of us, listen, I know dads have passed away. That's hardship as well. But people are turning their backs on the family. And Satan's celebrating our Supreme Court. And by the way, our Supreme Being overrides our Supreme Court. Because we're coming to a, a day that we're going to headbutt the Supreme Court and all those in authority here at Town Creek Baptist Church. Because we're Christians. We stand on the word of God. They've done more to legalize two weeks ago the homosexual lifestyle. Listen, and we have to accept it. And I will not, I will not, I will go to jail before I will accept the lifestyle of a homosexual. It's the same though as, listen, come to the place of a man cheating on his wife or a woman cheating on her husband. Listen, we will stand against that. We have stood against that. We've gone through church discipline in this church. It is not comfortable. It is not fun. It's not something we desire. But listen, we will stand if the word of God speaks on it. We will stand on it. Amen? It comes to the place that we're going to speak very clearly to this situation. Like Saul, we must walk in fear of the Lord, not the fear of man. Saul was threatened with his life for preaching Jesus. He was threatened with his life. By the way, I think it's kind of funny. Saul was going to the, the synagogue in Damascus to actually do what? Bring fear, threats, and murder against the people of God. He gets on his way there. The Lord Jesus Christ changes his life. And now, lo and behold, he's in the synagogues preaching Jesus, the same message by which, by the way, you remember what he had? What did he have? He's probably preaching with that paperwork in his pocket. Now, I know he didn't wear pockets. But he's walking around with, he's got the paperwork to arrest anybody that preaches the name of Jesus Christ in this place, I'm going to preach it. And while he's preaching, listen, he should have arrested himself. Amen? But he couldn't arrest himself. Why? Because he'd already been arrested by Jesus Christ. Full surrender. He was in custody of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't arrest himself. But the other people there, guess what they heard? They heard the message. And I always wondered, listen, when I was a kid, how did he preach immediately? You know how he preached immediately? Because he knew the Old Testament. And he knew every chapter of the Old Testament came to the place that it was actually talking about Jesus. You will find Jesus, not his name, but you'll find Jesus in every chapter of the Bible. The Old Testament said this, he's coming, he's coming. And when the New Testament happens, listen, John the Baptist, is he, is he an Old Testament or New Testament prophet? Old Testament. He's in the New Testament, but he's an Old Testament prophet because why? He's got to wait for the New Testament, the new covenant in blood. What does he preach? We know he preaches repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? We come to the place, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, and he's, oh, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the what? Sin of the world, your sin, my sin. He called him out. And actually when you come to the place that he takes away the sin of the world, 
the New Testament says, He has come. Old little town of Bethlehem, He has come. And then the Bible says, He did die on the cross, old rugged cross for you and for me. He did die. He did live a sinless life. He died on the cross. He was buried. And three days later, He rose again according to the Word of God. According to the Scriptures, the Bible says. So the Old Testament said He's coming. The New Testament said He has arrived. And then He goes off in Acts chapter 1, 8 to the clouds. And He says, the angel said, why are you standing here looking up into the clouds? How many of us are left looking up in the clouds? We're supposed to be in those showdowns and those meeting places, aren't we? In your house or my house or a meeting place, you're supposed to go there. And when you go into a place, you're supposed to bring the presence of God. You're supposed to bring the word of God when you go to those places. That's what the Great Commission is for, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go and make disciples of all the places. Listen, all the nations, right? And by the way, it's places in the nations. What do you have to do? You have to make disciples. It's actually hard work. And it, like Saul, what's going to happen? If you go to a dangerous place, what's going to happen? You might be threatened with murder. The very synagogue, the showdown that Saul went there to preach Jesus, uh, go arrest those people with, that actually had the, he had the paperwork for to arrest those people that preached Jesus. He himself had the paperwork, and yet he's preaching Jesus. Now, Satan's not going to be thwarted as well because he's still the prince of the air. And what happened to those people? They wanted to. Look at, look at verse 23 again, if you would. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews did what? They plotted to kill him. The same thing he was going to do before he knew Jesus. And when you come to the place of verse 29, he disputes against the Greek, and guess what they do? Look at verse 29. What did they want to do? They wanted to kill him. Are you amazed that someone, someone says they make fun of you or mock you? Jesus said, if the world hated me first, what's going to happen? It's going to hate everyone who follows me. The world system is, listen, it's going to come against you. I'm going to stand all that I can, right? I'm not filling up our back bedroom with food and all that stuff. I'm not going to prep to the point of actually resisting because I've seen some of the guys who can, some military snipers are very good. One bullet, they'll eat all my food. I'm going to have preparations, but I, I'm not going to stand off and sit up with the, like the wild, wild west to shoot out. I'm going to share the gospel till I'm arrested or till I'm dead. So help me God. And it's got to be God who helps me, not just Clint Smith's decision that I will do this. It's the Lord's decision. Finally, like Saul, the Holy Spirit will lead us in the path we should walk. Remember, as we follow Jesus, he promised, he promised, he promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He won't leave you. And you can say, let's play the what if game. What if I fill in the blank? What if he won't leave you or forsake you? We were singing about the song of generations to generations. Yesterday we took a picture. My niece got married yesterday went to Greenville. We took a picture it was me and Alex and Judson and um, listen, Zeke, the new grandson just was born. Sorry, I had a slip there. But I was thinking about the generations. It was actually three generations of us standing together taking a picture of the promise of God. We prayed for the children before we even, just when we got, when I became a Christian and a young married couple, I prayed for children. Lord, let them be godly people. I prayed for my grandchildren. Lord, help my grandchildren to grow up to be people of God. I pray for my great-grandchildren. And listen, they were not even in existence. And to actually see God work and see the existence of these people that I prayed for, that I had no idea what they would look like, that I had no idea who they would be. But I prayed for them. So when we sing that song from generation to generation, it was something exciting that I was like, I forgot about that song being played today that we were singing. But it was a reminder that God is faithful. He promised. 
He promised. He promised. By the way, dads don't ever promise, right? Baby, I'll do this. I promise I'll, I'll do this. I promise I'll do this. You might die of a heart attack in the next five minutes. Only God can promise. Only God can promise and keep his promises. And listen, he promised never to leave you nor forsake you. You might be heading to a synagogue showdown in your life. You might be coming to a church house like this where you said, listen, I've come so many times and I've never given my heart life to Jesus Christ. I don't care how old you are. We've had people walk the aisle that's been 87 years old that's actually come for baptism because they'd never been baptized. We've had people, listen, in their 60s and 70s and 80s that were saved. And we've also had children that were saved because, listen, the same message of God that speaks to a child's life speaks to anybody's life because don't you want to go to heaven when you die? Don't you? And listen, some people today, Mackenzie and I were just talking about, she's in Thailand. She has about 25 days left and she's on her way home. I said, don't get a short-timer's attitude. Some of you in the military, you might know what that is. Don't get a short-timer's attitude. I said, keep preaching Jesus to the day that you fly out. And then when you fly out, preach Jesus on the plane. But I want to remind you, listen, today, we come to the place. Everywhere we go, wherever we're allowed, when God sends us, we must pray for that divine appointment. If you guys have an appointment this week, and this crowd, I know there's going to be, you have doctor's appointments, dental appointments, surgery appointments. You got something this week. You got an appointment with a banker, with somebody. You got an appointment this week. And if you don't keep that appointment, what's going to happen? You'll get a text or a call and say, You missed your appointment. How many times have we, as the people of God, how many times have you prayed, God, do I have a divine appointment this week? What's the answer? What is the ongoing as you're going? And by the way, if you stop going, do you have an appointment? Do our shut-ins have an appointment? Where can the Word of God, where can prayer go? When Mackenzie calls me and it's the next day, like it's, what time is it now? It's, it's whatever, 11.30-something. It's 10.30 in the morning, uh, at night over there. So when I pray for Mackenzie, I pray into tomorrow. So when I pray for it doesn't make sense. My brain can't get around it. When I text her, I text into tomorrow sometimes, and she texts back in yesterday. Does that make any sense to y'all? But does God hear our prayers? The beautiful thing is, He's the God of the universe. He hears your prayers no matter where you are. And listen, He loves to answer your prayers and my prayers. For those who, listen, delight themselves in the Lord, the Bible says He'll give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37, 4. Let me challenge you today. Listen, come to the place. If you need to repent, if you're a Christian, say, listen, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the way I've been living. I haven't looked for any divine appointments. I haven't prayed for them. I haven't sought them out. And they've been passing you by, by the way. They, they are there. Did you know that? Whatever your name is, you have a divine appointment. They're there. It could be to pray for that person. It could be to share with that person. It could be to help that person. It's a divine appointment. We drive by them. We walk by them. We sit beside them daily and not even recognize that we missed that appointment. And if we would take time to listen to God, he'll tell you, hey, you missed the appointment. But here's the good thing about God. He'll bring it back around. He'll reschedule that appointment many times for you and for me. Let me pray for us today because as we get to this place, there's going to be a synagogue showdown, a meeting place showdown for you and for me. It could be today, and this might be the time that God's bringing a showdown in your heart. And you might have to come to that place and say, God, I have been faking it all this time. You need to repent of that. If you've never given your heart life to Jesus Christ, today's the day of salvation. If you're a Christian you've never been baptized, now's the time to be baptized. We'll be baptizing in two weeks. Next baptism is scheduled in two weeks. If you want to be baptized, I would encourage you to come and be baptized. Just say, listen, write it on your bulletin. You got to, I mean, on your uh, Connect card there in the back of the pew. I'd like to be baptized. 
And those of you that I know of, we've spoken about it. We already got your schedule. We got your, we got your name down. We'll talk with you. If there's any other things you need to pray about this morning, we encourage you to pray. Give it to the Lord because, listen, He knows you. He knows your name, and He knows what your assignment is. Just like Saul, good for nothing Saul. Go back and read Psalm, I mean, uh, Acts 22 and 26 today before the before sun goes down. He tells you his own story. Let me tell you my story, my testimony as we call it today. He tells his testimony over and over again. And guess who he gives credit to? The Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us today. Father God, I do pray for those that are listening today. Lord, I know that we have a story to tell because you've given it to us, not because we deserve it or earned it ourselves. Father, I pray today for those that are in this building, those who are watching live, Father, that we would get serious about giving up the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord, we know there's people against us. We know there's people that are fighting against the name of Jesus Christ. We expect that because you said so. But Lord, help us to be bold in our faith that we'd be people of God that love the Lord Jesus Christ so much. Father, we depend on you so much that come what may, we'll stand in the gap. Especially us dads today as we stand for our families. And fathers, people have had good experiences with their fathers and some have had terrible experiences with their fathers. I pray for us as men today that we would be men of God that you want us to be. Yes, we've had an example, good or bad, or indifferent. But Lord, let us be the men of God you want us to be. Let us be the men of God who lead our families. Even if we've messed up in the past, Lord, we've sinned against you. And, and Lord, maybe we've broken our families. Help us to restore those days as best we can, as best you can through us. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.